You're listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of NCBA's Beltway Beef podcast. Well, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association has elected new leadership. We have two new folks joining us on the policy division side. Kim Brackett, an Idaho rancher who will be serving as policy division chair, and Sky Krebs, an Oregon rancher who will be serving as policy division vice chair. Congratulations on your elections and welcome to the board here. Kim, let's start with you. Could you tell us a little bit about your operation and your involvement in the cattle industry? Sure, Hunter. Thanks so much for having me on today. Uh, my husband and I are cow-calf producers, and our ranch is located in southern Idaho. We're right on the Idaho-Nevada border. We actually summer our cattle in Nevada and winter them in Idaho. Um, it is a multi-generation ranch. It's my husband's family's ranch, and our kids are the sixth generation to be on this ranch. So, Kim, how did you get involved in the cattle industry and in cattle industry organizations like NCBA? Well, you know, it's really kind of funny because I grew up on my parents' ranch in Wyoming, but that part of Wyoming isn't really engaged with NCBA. So I was not really introduced to it until after I got married um, many, many years ago now and became involved with the Idaho Cattle Association and with NCBA. The first work I really did at NCBA was um, on the Producer Education Committee and worked on BQA. What did you do before being elected as policy division chair? Well, I am the immediate past president of the Idaho Cattle Association. I also chaired the Beef Industry Long Range Plan Task Force, uh, the 2025 task force. I've chaired the National Beef Quality Assurance Program. And uh, also, in addition to that, I was involved in the Cattlemen's Beef Board. Kim, tell us a little bit more about your work with beef quality insurance, uh, beef quality assurance and why that's so important. Oh, beef quality assurance is important, number one, for producers. So we have our own uh, producer-led and producer-driven science-based program to help us educate producers about best management practices. And at the same time, I think it's really important that consumers are aware that this program exists, that it provides some reassurance for them to know that producers do take the best care of their animals, the best care of their land, and, and that we have this program to certify that that's being done. Kim, what do you see as some of the top policy priorities for NCBA to focus on this year? Well, I think first and foremost is the farm bill. But the question is, is that actually going to happen this year? That's uh, in my crystal ball. I'm not sure that it is, but we'll certainly want to keep working on that, specifically making sure that um, FMD will continue to be funded, vaccine will continue to be funded in that, making sure we don't have a livestock title, and making sure that there are dollars available for those voluntary conservation programs that uh, our membership does utilize that's funded in the farm bill. We'll also, I'm pretty sure, continue to keep working against those radical activist groups whose their stated goal is simply to end livestock production. We will do our best to continue to fight against them. And then I think specific to me on my ranch, one of the most important things we do is continuing to push back against bureaucratic overreach. Uh, whether that's, you know, the BLM landscape health and conservation rule, it's increasing Endangered Species Act regulation, it's, it seems to be never ending and NCBA's work there is really valuable to me personally. To that point, Kim, I know you're based in Idaho. Tell us about some of the issues that are impacting you directly on the ranch. Oh, I live right in the heart of sage-grouse country, so that is definitely a big one for me. Um, Looking forward to that being rolled out later this spring. Um, My husband and I are in the middle of permit renewal, so seeing those new BLM grazing rigs coming out, that's going to be huge for us. 
oh, I don't know, anything public lands is definitely on our radar for this coming year. Excellent. Well, thank you. Sky, let's go to you. Tell us a little bit about your operation and your involvement in the industry. Similar to Kim, we're multi-generational. We have a winter operation down here in the Columbia Basin, low elevation, and then in the month of May and June, we moved to the higher elevation in Wallowa County and spend six months up there. So been doing that for multi-generations. My son's home. He's with me. I got grandsons with me. So pretty similar to a lot of the other outfits here in the West. So, Sky, I know you've been very involved with the Public Lands Council in addition to NCBA. Talk a little bit about your PLC experience and how that's prepared you for this role at NCBA. Well, sure. It was uh, it was a good segue in, into NCBA, uh, working with most all the Western execs for numbers of years and uh, working with the D.C. office on numerous issues. So I got a lot of context in my phone that uh, from the PLC days that just went right right into taking this position with NCBA. Well, Sky, I know Western ranching is pretty unique with the public lands grazing system. For everybody who's not in the West, could you walk us through uh, some of the ways that your operation is different and some of the different issues that you face being in the West? Well, you're always under the... Uh, ever-changing rules and regulations from administration to, I think Kim had mentioned the new guidelines that are coming out. So it's never a 100% sure of uh, the longevity of, of what you've been doing or whether it's going to carry over into the future. And it's a testing ground for the radical environmental groups. They, they try it out on the federal lands first to see if they can get traction. If they get traction, then they try to uh, try to go to the private land and do more more restrictions on topics that they don't know anything about. But anyway, that's that's the game we play. Well, to that point, Sky, what are some of the policy priorities that you're really focused on this year? Well, Kim mentioned a, a pretty good list there, but I also like to go into what I call the big W's, the wildfire issues, water issues. Uh, Obviously, WOTUS is a big issue. Wolves are a constant issue. Uh, Wild horse and burrow, just to name a a few. So those are some of the items that are on on the hot list for this upcoming year and have been on the hot list for numerous years. Well, each of you has some really interesting experience being based in the West. So this question is for both of you. How does your experience in the West shape your perspective on public policy? Why don't we start with you, Kim? Oh, that's a great one. Um, I think living in the West, which is almost automatically assumed that you're on public lands, I think it's really taught me that there is a lot of value in trying to sit down with folks who are solution-oriented and trying to discuss the issues, that there, there's a lot of value in that. But at the same time, it's also taught me that there are times when you just have to dig in and hold the line. When when you are in direct opposition to those agency folks, and that's when, that's when you've got to just dig in. So I think um, that is kind of a Western perspective being forced to work with agency folks and understanding you do have to work with them and and try to be um, solution focused and then understanding when those times are that you cannot work together and you've got to fight back. Sky, what would you add? Well, uh, as most Western states, we have the urban rural divide. Uh, Take Oregon or Washington or Colorado, for instance, as you've got these huge expanses of rural communities, but we're being, being dictated or over 
overruled by the urban areas that are, are taking on some of these some of these issues, your animal rights issues. I think Colorado's dealing with a slaughterhouse ban uh, right now, going to be in the Denver area. Uh, Oregon's coming up with another animal rights movement, I think in 2025, where even so much as if you're killing a mouse, you're uh, you're going to get a fine. So these kind of issues that uh, that the urban plays well in urban area, but this has no place in in the rural is a is a constant constant fight. And you just got to keep educating these people. You know, you eat three times a day, and uh, they seem to forget about that and want to want to dictate policy on on how we should be raising our animals, caring for this land. And um, so topics like that are pretty unique in the West. Well, you've also both got some interesting perspective having these multi-generational operations and this great family legacy. Uh, Sky, just speak to your family legacy and why that's so important to you. Well, it, obviously, I don't want to be the one that it, that it ends on, so I'm, I'm in it for the long term. Uh, it's a great place to raise raise a family. Like I said, my son's here with me. I got grandsons that are that are involved. Uh, I can't think of a better place to to learn life's values and uh, to be out on the land and have that family environment and have the good neighbors. So I don't think it gets any better than this. So I want to continue that on and give them that same opportunity that uh, my dad and my granddad offered on down when it was their time. Well, Kim, what would you add to that? Well, I think Sky nailed that. Uh, definitely. The only thing I would add is that we take a lot of value in our family. We take a lot of pride in being food producers. And so I always try to help our kids be proud of the fact that the work that we do every day is producing food for Americans, for our global population. And and I'll tell you, I have kids in college right now, so they they are often painted as the evil livestock producers. So I think having them grounded and understanding the value of being a food producer, and that our ranch couldn't possibly be sustainable to the sixth generation without the good work that we've done has really enabled them to maybe fight back against some of that um, pressure that they're facing from college professors right now. Well, you know, NCBA is a membership organization, and we're always trying to talk to producers about the value of being part of an organization like NCBA. So, Kim, what's your message to producers on why they should join NCBA and be involved in our process? Oh, my number one reason for joining NCBA is without a doubt the work that our NCBA team does in D.C. Every single day, knowing that there is a a dedicated team of individuals that are educated, they're articulate, they're professionals, and their job every day is to defend my way of life and preserve the lifestyle that I love, that allows me to go out on the ranch, allows me to take care of our cattle, horses, land, water, and sleep a little easier at night. So for me, that's the number one reason um, I would encourage folks to get involved. And number two is that it is a, it's a grassroots association. There is every opportunity for an individual to get involved in a certain area they may have an interest in, help them plug into different committees, different areas, and make sure their voices are heard, help them harness their their perspective with the same from producers all across the country and help us be um, help us accomplish NCBA's mission. Sky, what are your thoughts on the value of NCBA membership and also getting involved in the grassroots policy process? NCBA is, uh, we don't say this enough, but in a poll last year, it was voted on as the most effective lobby group 
on the Hill by the DC staffers. And to me, that's huge. I mean, it just shows you the value of, of being an NCBA member, but not only that, they're well thought of on the Hill. They can get stuff done. So uh, to me, that's, that's a huge one. Uh, the other interesting topic was the uh, NCBA was also voted, voted on as one of the top 10 best places to work in the Denver area by the Denver Chamber of Commerce. So it just shows that we've got staff that are glad to be there, working hard for us, and uh, echoing what Kim said, while they're doing that job, we're able to stay home and uh, do what we enjoy, and that's working on the ranch. So those are my reasons. Well, Kim and Skye, thank you so much for joining me today, and uh, best of luck on your year on the officer team here. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.